Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. So glad you're here. Part three of a series called He Said, She Said. We have been looking at the difference between men and women. The Bible says in Genesis 1 that God made all of mankind in his likeness and image, but then he seemed to like split something down the middle and say, no, I'm going to make them male and female. And in that likeness, he made them. And we've been talking about the differences between men and women and how we're made up so differently, not just in our physical stuff, but even in our mental and emotional, our psychological, all those levels. We are so unique and so different. Now, I didn't need to tell you that, but I needed to remind you that these differences are not to be things that separate us, that we shouldn't look at the opposite sex and be like, well, he's just weird and she's just different and ugly and this and bad and what your way is so dumb and you're, no, these differences are actually beautiful differences. And the more we learn to embrace these differences and celebrate these differences, which just means men, you need to clean up after yourself after you do that in the bathroom. These differences are really, really good if you'll embrace them. And so we've been talking about that. And so last week we talked about the difference between his needs and her needs. Today, since the series is called, he said, she said, I thought, let's just talk about what he said and what she said and, and what he ought to say and, and what she ought to say or ought not to say. Let, let, let's look into what it is that we do with our words because here's the deal. How you communicate is the biggest deal inside of your marriage. There's a, there's a guy, he's a doctor, his name is John Gottman, and he does a research. He takes people and he literally puts them into like a, a, a test environment. He's got video cameras, everything's rolling and recorded. And, and, and he watches these couples for extended amounts of time. And he's able to, at this point, kind of determine success or failure in marriage up to about 90% accuracy, which that's pretty good. And because, you know, 10% of people can just um, hate each other to the end. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, so some people just, they're committed to their commitment. And they'll just, you know, just, they'll stay with you just to spite you. And so, um, but 90% accuracy. And what he goes on to say is this, and I'll show you through the scripture why I believe he's absolutely accurate. It's because what he gets down to is this, is that the number one difference maker in whether or not he can predict success or failure inside of a marriage is the words that they communicate to one another. And the number of critical words that a spouse speaks to their spouse, that many times can be the most reflecting thing as to whether or not a marriage is going to win or lose, succeed or fail. So let's talk about what he said and what she said. Do me a favor, bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray. God, I pray that over the next few minutes, Help us, Lord, because I think I'm going to say some things that are going to be very convicting. It might get quiet up in here. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to wrestle with, struggle with, fight through, swallow whatever it is that's going to hurt. It's not going to feel good, Lord God. Take the conviction and not kick and resist against it, but God, embrace it. God, I pray that we would be people that walk out of here with the determination to use our words in the most God-like way possible. Lord, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said... Amen. If you have your Bible, we're going to look at one main scripture and then I'll throw a few others along the way. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, this is one of those Bible verses you need to highlight, underline, do whatever you need to do. Do you, do you highlight it now on you verse? Do you like hold it and then is there a special highlight? I don't highlight stuff on you. Anyway, however you read your Bible now, highlight this thing. This is awesome. Proverbs 18 verse 20. A man's stomach shall be filled from the fruit of his mouth. This is not saying that you get food to your stomach 
through your mouth. That's, that's not what this means. It's saying that it will be filled from the fruit of your mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. Today, I want you just to know that words are incredibly powerful. Like you, you need to get your mind wrapped around something when it comes to your words. They're just powerful. They are unique. It is amazing. Like when you think about this fact, you already know you're made in the image and likeness of God. And then you're made male and female. But since you're made in the image and likeness of God, you need to know that God is all about words. So when God created the universe, how did he make it? He spoke it into existence, meaning he literally used words to create his world. And I want you to know that you are made in the image and likeness of God. So you know what you do? You use your words to create your world. If you don't, if you don't believe it, take a look at your, your, your marriage, take a look at your, your parenting, take a look at any area of your life and start looking at the words that you say to and speak over that arena of your life. I can tell you for certainty that you are building or destroying your world many times just by the words that you choose. Your words matter. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 2, when it gets more descriptive about how God made mankind, it said that he formed man from the dust of the earth, but then he breathed into him the breath of life. The Hebrew word there literally means that God made man a speaking spirit. And that's really what separates us from the whole animal kingdom, right? When you think about like, you know, I know dolphins are smart. and they, they do their, I know, but they don't have words. They don't write books and poems and song. They don't, they don't use words like we use words. We are uniquely different than every other thing on planet earth because we are the ones made in the image of likeness of God and we use words and our words are so powerful and words become the dynamic inside of relationship by which you relate, connect, communicate, share. This is how we actually figure life out and you would assume that this would be easy, right? Because you grew up and here's what happened when you were a little kid, you were watching mom or dad or other people around you, you watched them talk and you started out with some gag gag goo goo stuff, but you slowly started to develop words and that came natural to you. So the idea of speaking comes naturally. Now let me tell you where we, we make a huge mistake. We think that all of a sudden we're married and we live in close proximity with a person of the opposite sex who has radically different ways of thinking and feeling and has different needs than us. And we just make this assumption, oh, well, communication in marriage, that's just, that'll come naturally. That's just what you do. That's what everybody does, right? You just naturally communicate. And then what do you learn after you've been married a while? We don't communicate so well. See, here's the thing. When you get married, um, like being intimate with each other, that, that's something, you know, you just clothes go off, lights go off, things naturally happen. And you're like, well, we'll figure this out. You can't apply that to how you communicate in marriage. Does that make sense? You can't just make an assumption that because I learned how to talk on my own, that I'll learn how to communicate inside of a relationship. It doesn't work that way. You need to be trained and taught how to communicate in marriage. And that's what we'll look at today. Because what Solomon's saying is this, you're either building or you're destroying your world by the words that you use. You're either giving death or you're giving life to the words that you use. And when we look at at some of the mistakes that we make, we're going to be a little bit convicted today. Let's talk about some of the myths. Number one is this. One of the biggest myths that I see when it comes to marriage and communication and how we talk to one another. There we go. Come on. We got to, we got to be faster over there. Number one, number one is this, is that words are evaporative. Like this is a mistake that we all make. We kind of, and this is, this is why we say it. We say words and then we think, oh, that's not a big deal or, or they'll get over it or... 
or they'll just disappear. And that's just not true. Words are eternal. I'll, I'll show it to you in two, two ways. Number one is this. Matthew 12, 36 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but I say to you that every idle word that men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. It, it, it gives the illusion that God, in his infinite ability to remember all things, or calculate all things, or keep record of all things, that literally our words are somehow kind of held in some type of format where God can be like, okay, so it was uh, February 23rd, and you were hanging out with your wife. This is what, what'd you say that for? And it seems like one day we're going to give an account for the words that we say. So words aren't evaporative. They don't just disappear. They don't just, just cease to exist. And, 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 and I'll prove it to you on the most natural level. When you think about the words that have been spoken over you, why is it that you can go back and you can remember stuff from your childhood and usually there's a few moments that stand out to you. There's a few moments that have stuck to you, clung to you, that hang on into your memory bank and you can go back into your mind. And sometimes they're the most incredible words. Like sometimes when somebody spoke life and destiny and confidence and belief over you, you'll hold on to that. I I do, I've shared with those from the stage before. Like there's moments in my life where I can go back and say, I remember this is the day that he said this about me. And man, that has stuck with me forever because I remember it meant so much to me. And at the same time, some of the most destructive things ever said, to us. Why do you think it is that we can remember that stuff? Because words are not evaporative. They don't just disappear as soon as you say them. You can't say stuff over your spouse, say stuff over your kids, and then just expect, oh, well, they'll just get over it. They'll forget about it. They'll, they won't remember that I said that. I promise you that's not true. Myth number two is this. Words are non-revealing. This is where we say stuff. It's getting quiet up here. This is where we say stuff and they were like, oh, I didn't mean that. We, we say that all the time. Like, oh, well, that's not what I meant. I just said that in anger. That's not what I meant. Let, let, let me just read you what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 12. This is what, again, Jesus speaking about the power of the words. He goes, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit, you brood of vipers. <laughs> uh, uh, there's some context there that's interesting he, who he's talking to. But anyway, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's the key verse there. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his, of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil things. So like you need to know, like there are certain times where you are like, but I didn't mean it. Yeah, you did. And what that reveals is, is that sometimes when we keep saying mean things, harsh things, critical things, abusive things, we have a heart issue. And there's no other way around it. There's no reason why those words should keep coming out of our mouth if there's not something evil buried down deep in our heart. And listen to me, nobody wants to hear this. You may need to go listen to Joel Osteen this afternoon to get over this sermon, but... but, What Jesus is addressing is that sometimes you have a mouth issue because what you have is a broken heart issue. There is something in your heart that... So so like never get through with saying something awful and then just being, well, that's not what that meant. I didn't mean to say that. I came out... No, it's a revealer of your heart. Let me give you some examples. So So like some of us, we live in a very sarcastic society and sarcasm kind of reveals things in your life. When you're constantly sarcastic... 
And meant to be mean, it's, it reveals angers in your heart. That's where sarcasm comes from. Like, think about this, bitterness and hatefulness. That comes from unforgiveness in your heart. I know I deal with this when disrespectful words. Like, this comes from a taking another person for granted. Silence, like, like now look, ladies, I need to talk about this real quick here. Because dudes are much more silent sometimes in how they handle things. And sometimes their silence doesn't mean anything. And I know that you're, so, so this is where, ladies, be patient when a man is being quiet. Be patient. Guys, recognize that your silence communicates something to them and it's always negative. It means I don't care or I'm detached. And so meet each other in the middle. But when you're overly silent all the time, it ends up communicating separation. Here's another one, like abusive speech. You're just yelling, cursing, no respect, all that. I mean, that comes from a, sometimes that abusive speech really comes from a desire to control and manipulate somebody else. Where do you think these things come from? And and again, this is the problem that as a believer, we're walking with God, we have faith in God, but then we we have these relational moments where we get so hot, we get so angry, somebody makes us so mad. And really all this is, is this, is that marriage, because of its proximity, marriage is a journey in holiness because marriage will show you stuff in your heart that you would have never known existed had you not been married. If you'd have been single and selfish, you'd have gotten away with that. That sucker would have been buried so deep in your heart that it would have never really gotten exposed. It would have never really come out. And all of a sudden, your wife can just bring it to the top. Your, your husband can bring it to the top of you. Because it's a journey in holiness. It is God showing you that there's some things in your heart that he wants to free you of and heal you from so that you can actually live an abundant life. But know this, your words are revealing of what's going on in your heart. Number three is this. Words are substitutionary. Sometimes we get into the habit of using our words to make up for what we didn't do. I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. Like sometimes we, we, we do things poorly. We do things badly. We've hurt somebody with our actions. And we think, well, I'll just, but I love you. And we think because we keep saying I love you that that somehow makes up for all the things that we didn't do or the things that we did do horribly. Saying I love you is not substitutionary. Here's another one. I remember having this with a young man. This young man would keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and he would keep saying I'm sorry. At some point your sorry doesn't mean anything anymore. Your apology becomes weak and hollow because words are not substitutionary. If you keep saying this but doing something completely differently, your words become empty and flat. Next one is this, words are powerless. This is where I hear people in, in your relationships, you get to a point in your relationship, and, and I'm like, hey, you need to be able to say this to your husband. You need to be able to say this to your wife. We're like, I would, but it wouldn't matter. Well, I would, but it wouldn't make any difference. I'm telling you what, your words are powerful. Like you need to like embrace that idea that you have the ability to speak life, to speak belief, to say some things over your spouse and to your spouse that will bring about something great if you believe that they're powerful. Here's another one. This, this, is, this one's bad here. Number five is that words can bring about, or bad words can bring about good results. Every once in a while, it's usually like a, a really young couple or like a really, really stubborn couple. That's usually the two carriers I follow. And, and what, what they do is, is that they believe that if I will get hard enough and mean enough and nasty enough, they'll change. And now, look, I know, I, know, I know I'm not that old. I'm not that smart. But after all the years of counseling that I've done with people, do you know I've never, I've never had a woman come to me 
or a man for that matter, and say, you know what? We were in this argument and we were going back and forth and she believed she was right and I believed I was right. And so you know what? I just cussed her out. I just gave it to her. I, let, I just put her right in her place. And you know what she said? She said, you know what, honey? You are so right. I'd never seen it like that. That totally, you know what? You're right and I'm wrong and I don't know why I couldn't see it before. I have never in all of my, but so we believe this stuff sometimes. We just think if I'll just really give them a good zinger, if I'll really put them in their place, if I'll just really let them have it, I know they'll change. Yeah, they're going to change. It just ain't going to be the way that you want it to be. And and lastly is this. This is the big myth is that words mean the same thing to both men and women. Like this is huge. And we've been talking about this the whole series that men and women are just radically different, uniquely different, beautifully different. Words mean very, very different things to men than they do women. And we need to understand this because here's like, like, for example, I told you this one that, that women on average speak a certain amount of words per day, right? If it's 10,000 words per day for a woman, sometimes it's only three or 4,000 words per day for a man. And I remember sharing this with you, and there's different studies, and the numbers are all different, but they're all roughly about four to one. I mean, the, the number of words a woman speaks versus the words a man would speak. And, and so there was this woman, of course, who, who had this conversation with her husband and said, well, I know why that is. And he said, why? He goes, because every time I tell you something, you don't listen, and I got to repeat myself. You know what he said? And what did you say? <laughs> so so we, we, we know that there's a difference in volume of words, but there's just, a, it means something different. So guys, here's what you need to know. You know, last week we joked uh, uh, in, the, in the video about the woman going on and on and on and on about her day. And then the guy was asked about his day and he said, what? How was your day? Fine. It's, it's fine. You need to know something about your wife. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you like a golden nugget here. Your wife loves communication And she needs communication because that's what makes her feel connected to you. So all you guys who don't want to talk, listen to me. Just girls, check out for a second. Guys, listen to me. You need to go out of your way just to be better in the the area of communication. Because what, guys, this is the best way I can explain it for you. Your need for sexual intimacy is high. Their need for communication and connection is just as high as your need for sexual intimacy. So here's, here's what I know about you. What you really want, dudes, is you want your wife to be a sexual servant. You want your wife to be there for you in that and meet those needs even when she doesn't feel like it. Man, what are y'all be so quiet up here for? I can't believe a dude didn't like, amen. Amen, brother. I didn't get none of that. What I need you to realize is that her need for communication and connection, that is at the same level. So what she really wants you to do is go out of your way to communicate it, even when you don't want to, and even when you don't feel like it. It's the same way men and women, and are, 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 they're just different. And so their need for communication and connection is an incredibly important need for them. Here's another thought. Like, not only is it, is it an issue where, like, it... It's, it's her need is so much higher. Girls, here's the way that you can help your man out. This is the way that generally men and women are wired. Women generally are wired to be um, sexually modest but emotionally immodest. And men are the exact opposite. So like, like so for example, like if I, if I wanted to have a moment of romance with my wife, like, you know, it, it, it's got to be a right environment. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like the door's got to be locked. The candles may be on, but the lights are off. Them kids better be in a comatose state. You know, like, why? Because for that to take place, it needs to be a modest environment. She's, she's 
and romantically speaking, she's, she's modest. Now, guys, totally not, not like that, right? Anytime, anywhere, we don't care. Sexually immodest, right? But the opposite is true. Emotionally, they are immodest. Have you ever, have you ever watched a woman like, all of a sudden she meets a person in the checkout counter and she's sharing with her the deep details of her your life. And you're like, what in the world? Why? Why? They like to share. They like to talk. They like to open up. Like, like, like think about it like this. Have you ever listened to like, go to, go to like a party where there's couples and people and guys and girls. And all of a sudden the girls gravitate towards it. Go listen to their conversation. It's so deep. It's so relational. It's so, it's like, did, did you hear about Becky? I think her and Doug are really going through a hard time right now. And I really, you know, I feel like, and what Becky's dealing with. And you're like, you're like, well, you're, now look, now go walk over to the other side of the room and go listen to what the guys talk about. Hey, dude, did you watch that Warriors game? That Steph Curry's awesome. Hey, dude, what'd you do last Saturday? I went fishing. Awesome. Can you imagine if that, that like, how, how did you feel when you caught that fish? You know, like... <laughs> How, how'd that make you feel when you were, we don't talk like that. So, so, so women are, are, are emotionally deep in their conversation. Think about a man's conversation, emotionally shallow. They're not shallow. Men run deep. They're just not going to ever do it openly because they're emotionally modest. So ladies, the same way that you want to create an environment to be romantic and it's got to be a modest environment. Ladies, if you ever want your husband to open up, you better create a modest environment for them to be able to have open communication. This is why if you cross a man with his words, he won't come back to you. So for example, this is what I mean. Like if you, if you and I have a conversation and I share something with you in confidence and then you go tell other people what I said, I'll never talk to you again. Not, not on anything deep. Like, I'll be friends. We'll talk about Steph Curry. But, I mean, we ain't talking about anything deep. Why? Because you broke, you broke my, my confidence. What was emotionally modest, all of a sudden you put out on front street. So now I can't open up to you again. And so remember that the way and the needs and how it all works, we're just so very different in how we speak. Here's another example of why communication is different. We even hear differently. Guys, you hear differently than women do. I run into this with my wife and we talk about it often. My wife will say stuff and to me, it comes off and it filters through my, my basically the, the filter of respect. And I'm like, oh, I didn't like that. I'm like, why do you say it like that? Or why, why you got to be like that? And she's like, what are you talking about? She literally has no clue that she just said something that rubbed me wrong. Why? Because I hear through, through this filter of honor. And so ladies, if you ever want to have good communication with your, your husband, then you need to go. Because think about what we talked about last week. What's the number one need of a man? Respect. He has a greater need. You, his need for respect outweighs and out trumps his need for love. He just doesn't like... He wants you to love him. He needs you to respect him. And so when you communicate, you've got to think through those terms. So like words mean something different. And so when you begin to speak in a language of dishonor or disrespect, they will shut down on you. Guys, you're the same way though. Go back. Think, what was the number one need of a woman? It was to be loved. It was to be cherished. And it was to be chosen. And so her need to be loved and her need to be cherished, her need for security in the relationship, that trumps all things. And so she ever thinks that you don't care. If she ever feels like you're not interested, you don't, it's just not, they, I'm telling you what, they'll shut down. And so communication is not the same for men and women. So ladies, y'all get together and y'all do whatever y'all want. And that'll make sense to y'all because I, I still don't get it. 
And guys, we'll get together and we'll talk about fishing and shooting things and and basketball. And we'll be happy with our world. But when y'all get together, realize that communication means very, very different things to each other. And you'll have to meet each other halfway for you to have good communication. And then that the goal, the goal is this. The goal is that we get along, that we communicate, that we're able to open up, share, go along the same path. Amos says this, the, the prophet Amos says How can two walk together unless they agree? Meaning like you've got to be able to get to a point in your communication where you're able to speak to one another. And here's what I want you to do. So like, look, those are all the myths of communication. Now I'm going to share with you what I think the Bible gives you as kind of the blueprint for like, this is how you do it then. If you're going to start communicating, this is the way every human being needs to be communicated to you. Are you ready? Number one is this. If you're going to communicate, number one, the first main principle, the main standard is this. Everybody say caring. It, it's got, you've got, meaning like you can't have a good conversation with somebody who doesn't care. Like if they don't care about what you're talking about or they don't care about you, it just won't matter. And so caring is the ultimate like starting block. You've got to be able to care. This is so huge for men. Men, this is why sometimes your wife feels like you don't care. Because when you get into a, a, a conversation with your wife, communication is more than verbal. Communication is, is, is a full experience, meaning there's body language, there's countenance, and there's tone of voice, right? Let me say that again. There's body language. That's what, what your body shape is at the moment. There's your countenance, the expression on your face, and then there's tone of voice. Like you can say, how many know you can say one thing in many different ways depending on the tone of your voice? And so for a woman, like the reason why she feels like you don't care, because like, here's the deal. If she comes in and she wants to have a conversation with you and you got the game on, she's like, hey, can we talk? And you're like, okay, I'll mute the game. But if you're standing there staring at a muted screen with your hands halfway down your pants, she feels as though you don't care. Ladies, help me out here. So you've got, you've got to be able to say, I need to meet her half. I need to make sure that she knows I care. I, need, I had this, I had a woman email me. She said, Todd, your message on, on respect and honor and all that, it, it, it blew my mind. I went to my husband and she said, honey, is there anything that I'm doing? It was the best thing. I, I was so proud of her. She said, I went to my husband. And I said, is there anything that I'm doing that I'm unaware of that makes you feel dishonored or disrespected? And he was really cool about it. And he goes, well, actually, there is this one thing that you do. And, and the women, this is sometimes your tendency. When a man actually wants to talk to you, because you do have the ability to carry on multiple conversations and do five different things at the same time, many times because you're so busy, you can literally be cooking dinner, taking care of the kid, and listening to your husband all at the same time. But what that communicates to him is what? You don't care. You're do, if you're doing five other, and I know you can do them. That, that's what he may not understand. Stop what you're doing. And give him that moment. Remember, body language, countenance, tone of voice, all those things matter. You have got to communicate that you care. And part of that is just being a good listener. Number two is this, it's praise. This is, this is so huge. Remember I told you you're made in the likeness and image of God? Think about what the Bible says in Psalms 100. It says that we enter into God's courts with thanksgiving. We enter into his gates with praise. Everybody say praise. I'm telling you what, praise is huge. And this is not what I mean. I do not mean walk up to your husband and be like, this is the day, you know. I don't want you to go sing a song and be weird. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about your ability to edify and encourage and build up. That's what praise really is. When we think about praising God, we are talking about all the goodness of God and all the greatness of God and all the attributes of God. And that's what we're doing. We're not, I don't want you to do this to your wife. Um, praise, praise matters. 
Thinking about the, the, the filter of respect, there's nothing that a man will warm up to more than if you begin with praise. Everybody enjoys it. If you don't believe me, go, go find a little kid. Go find your own little kid and watch what happens when you begin to speak, speak praise over him. Their heart opens up. The opposite is true, though. If you ever see a kid where he's constantly just put down and diminished and demeaned and criticized, his heart closes. So the only way that you're going to have great communication is, number one, that you care, but also that you go ahead and begin to speak words of praise. You've got to be able to open up people's hearts, and they need to know not only do you care, but you absolutely believe in them. Number three is this. It's truth. Now, some of y'all love this one, and you love it too much. Um, the chuckles, y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you have a need to be right and your need to be right trumps all things. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about here when I say truth. Because here's the deal. You're at some point in the relationship gonna have to have an honest conversation. At some point, you're gonna have to address something that's out of line. Hey, honey, I need to talk to you. You're doing this or you're doing that and it's making me feel this way or, or, or you know, it could be something, hey, you're doing this with the finances and it's not going, we need to talk about this. At some point, you're gonna have to have an honest conversation and here's the deal. You're going to have to allow somebody to be vulnerable. You're gonna have to allow somebody to be honest without shutting them down immediately. Truth needs to be spoken. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. It says, bind mercy and truth to your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, here's the deal. For some of you, you fall into, into there's two traps here. One of you fall into the, you just don't put the truth out there. And so what you do is you end up suppressing and suppressing and burying and shutting it down. And I just won't bring it up and I just won't talk about it. And so you shut that thing down for weeks and months and sometimes years. And then bitterness grows in you or you explode eventually. One of the two is eventually going to have. You can only bury that thing before it either internalizes and makes you bitter or eventually you explode. It's because you weren't willing to go ahead and be honest and let that other person know how you felt. Now, the other, the other trap is this. Your problem is not truth. <laughs> You're good at that. You're right about everything and let everybody know about it. Your problem is not truth. Your problem is not letting them know what they did wrong. You do that very easy. It comes naturally for you to tell another person what they did wrong. Just so you know, I'm a truther. Okay? If I have an issue, it's not with telling the truth. I'm a truther. I'm not enough mercy. And that's where some of us fall in the category. Because the Bible says this, even Ephesians, Ephesians 4.15 says this. It says, speak the truth in love. Like, that's the main thing. Like, if you're going to speak the truth, speak it in love. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul goes on to say this. You could be right about everything you're saying, but if you don't have love and kindness in your heart, you're obnoxious. That, that's a nicer way of saying it. He actually says you're like a clanging dong. You're just so noisy and obnoxious and nobody wants to listen to you. That's what he says. I didn't make this stuff up. And so the point is, is that you've got to be able to speak the truth. And for those of you who suppress, you've got to be honest. But just do it in love. Do it in kindness. For those of you who know you're truthers, please err on the side of mercy. Because here's the deal. If you have mercy without truth, you're like a cheerleader with no team. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? It's always mercy, it's always praise, but there's never truth. You're a cheerleader without a team. But for those of you who have truth with no mercy, you're basically like surgery with no anesthesia. (laughs) Bind them both on your hearts. And for you truthers out there, if you're going to make a mistake, error on the side of mercy. Number four is this. Everybody say faith. 
This is so huge. What you've got to do is if you truly believe all that we've looked at in terms of words and the power of words, at some point you've got to buy into this idea. You know what? When I speak it and I keep speaking it, I believe God will be working it out. I believe God will be working on my behalf. So when you begin to say things over your spouse and speak things over your kids and speak things over your life and your career, you at some point need to have faith that God is able to fulfill the promise that he gave you. And that's where our words keep. Because so many times, again, goes back to, well, I would say something if I thought it would do any good. What that reflects is this, is you have no faith that God will actually be able to do the miraculous. You need faith over those words. You need to be able to say, you know what? I know my husband's lost or I know my wife is lost or I know my husband's going through this or my wife is dealing with this. I'm going to pray and I'm going to speak and speak and speak and I'm not going to stop and I'm going to keep having faith that God is going to show up and do something really, really incredible. As a matter of fact, when you read 1 Peter chapter 3, there's one of these scriptures that messes with theologians because we talk about salvation and it's personal it's between you and God only. And then every once in a while, these dudes will slip in something. You're like, wait a minute. Paul talks about, and Peter does the same thing. He says, Paul says that if you are married to an unbeliever, but they love you and they'll stay with you. You stay with them. Because it might just be that your faith, your faith will be the thing that makes the difference. And, we, and he kind of leaves it open. Like, well, what does that mean? I, I don't know. All I know is you stay. You keep believing. Peter says the same thing. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says that a husband can be won by the beauty and, and, and the honor of his, of his wife. So I'm telling you, there's something unique about your faith in God and speaking those words over your spouse that has the ability to make eternal differences in their lives. There's just something out there. That's all I'm going to say. Lastly is this. Everybody say surrender. There is something about, and this is, this is the ultimate thing. And we'll kind of wrap up and close here. When we talk about our words and we talk about our words being a reflection of our heart, at some point in our journey and our walk with God, we've got to come to a point where we recognize, you know what, my words are bad, they're negative, they're critical, sometimes they're abusive. I don't just have a mouth problem. I have a heart problem. And if I don't eventually surrender to Jesus, I'm going to stick with this problem my whole life. I'm going to damage my wife, my husband. I'm going to damage my kids. I'm going to damage my future. At some point, I've got to surrender my heart and my mouth to God. And if I don't, Solomon said it like this. You're either going to create life with your words or you're going to create death with your words. At some point, you're going to have to look and say, man, because hey, here, here's, here's what James said. James said, everybody struggles with this thing called the tongue. He said, if every, if, if there, he goes, if there's anybody that's figured this out and all of a sudden they can master every word that comes out of their mouth, they're perfect. Last I checked, Jesus was the only one that pulled that off. So that means that you and I, we fall into the other category. So what I want you to do is bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to have a moment with God. This is not to beat you up and to make you feel guilted. This is not a time for elbows and I told you. This is not a time for that. This is a time for surrender. And this is really what we want our prayer to be. God, please give me the wisdom to speak the right words at the right time and help me to not say the wrong thing at any time. For some of us, that needs to be the prayer that we write down. That needs to be the prayer that we have in our Bible on a note card. We need to have it on a sticky note in the dashboard of our car. We need to have it every night we go to bed for as long as it takes. And our prayer needs to be, God, give me the wisdom to speak the right thing at the right time. 
And God, keep me from saying the wrong thing at any time. I'm telling you, marriage can be a beautiful and a wonderful thing. And it's so amazing when we can begin to use our words to build each other up. When you have a husband who's building up his wife and a wife who is building up her husband and they're praying for one another, they're speaking life over one another. And yeah, sometimes you have to have a tough conversation. Sometimes there needs to be truth and honesty, but it's done in love. And when there's caring and there's praise and you know that their heart is surrendered to Jesus, you can, you can accept their honesty. You can, you can handle some truth when all the other things are combined with it. And when you have those things, I'm telling you what, you end up being on a marriage journey that's on that upward trajectory. You're growing together. You're growing in faith. You're growing together towards Jesus. But if we don't stop at some point and say, you know what? My words are powerful. They don't just evaporate after I speak them. They do reveal what's going on in my heart. And God, I need to surrender. And so I want you to take 30 seconds and I want you to have a private moment with God where you ask God to help you. You know what your thing is. For some of you, it's just too much silence all the time. It's not even that you don't say the right thing at the wrong time. You just don't say anything at all. And you need God to help you break the silence where you just bury it down deep in your heart. For others of you, you're, you're quick. You're so quick-witted and sharp with your tongue and you have the ability to say just some nasty, mean things at the wrong time. Some of you are loud. You just get so loud. It gets so violent. It gets so angry. Some of us, we get so cutting with our words. We bring up stuff from the past. We start throwing it all over our spouse. Your words are nuclear. They can explode. God, help me to be a person who speaks life, who uses my words to build the world around me, not destroy. One last time, God, give me the wisdom to speak the right words at the right time and help me to not say the wrong thing at any time. Father, help us to be a people, God, that our heart is surrendered to you. And because our heart is surrendered to you, our mouth is surrendered to you. And we now are reflecting you and your love and your kindness and your generosity. And we're using our worlds to build the world around us, Lord. That is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.